most of you have got that pretty much everything you read had something to do with your mind. So what's the role of your mind in your walk with God? When you don't have your mind under control, honestly, you're in slavery. That's why Jesus said that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And we'll talk about that in a minute. One of you guys have that verse. If I don't know the truth, then I'm not going to be free. I'm going to be enslaved. And the idea is, is we're not just, I mean, other than Riley, most of us weren't just born with an IQ of 278. Most of us weren't born with a full knowledge of world events and everything that's happened in history. Most of us weren't born with a full knowledge of science. We have to accumulate knowledge as we grow. And then we have to find out how to use that knowledge. And that's wisdom, using the knowledge that you have the right way. So how do you use the knowledge that you have in the right way? Why is your mind important? It all starts there. I'm going to start with a few notes and then we'll kind of jump around here. A correct view of reality is necessary for you to succeed. Does that make sense? If you don't understand gravity and you fall off a cliff, you're going to die. That is true about cliffs 100% of the time. The truth about gravity does not change based on your perception. You'll hear at this school that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Anybody that tells you that is out of their mind because they're claiming that that is true, what they're saying. So right from the start, they are contradicting their own point. So next time you hear that, just say, I'm not listening to you because you just proved yourself wrong. But anyway, the bottom line, guys, is there is truth. If I fall off a cliff, I do die. That's a very real truth that happened. Very real consequence to my actions. So there is a reality about the universe, and there is a truth about the universe. And knowing that truth about the universe helps me interact with that universe the right way. It means I don't get killed by falling off cliffs. But in other ways, it helps me develop good relationships, right? helps me succeed in life, and it helps me grow as a person that God made me to be. If I don't know what I need to know, and if I don't know how to apply that knowledge, I lose. What's a tragedy is there are a lot of people, and there are even a lot of Christians, that have not cultivated critical thinking. They don't know how to think. They almost just believe whatever gets said on TV, or whatever their professor says. You guys, I promise you, professors at Fort Lewis, they don't just tell you their opinion. Some of them do. But there are actual professors here that will lie to you, flat out lie. And they've told us this. I lie to students just to see if they'll catch me on it. Just to see if they'll know. And nobody ever catches them. You cannot just believe what you hear from a professor. You can't. And even if he's not just lying to you, because I'm not saying they all do that, they do have an agenda. So you've got to be able to critically think, what's this information I'm hearing? How does this relate to the reality of this universe? What do you see on TV? Just because you read something in the paper or see it on TV does not mean that it's true at all, okay? So, how can we get good at thinking critically? Well, it starts with our mind. It all starts with our mind. Okay, who wants to talk from group one? Yeah, read the verse and then just tell us what you guys got out of it. All right, our verse was 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. It was, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. And basically what we talked about was the first part of the verse is talking about what human can know the mind of God. And in that we saw kind of a separation from God. And so, but in the second verse we have, it says we have the mind of Christ. And that brings that separation back to Christ and Christ bridges that separation for us. And we talked about how do we have this mind of Christ. And earlier in the chapter, 
that we did this through the gift of the Spirit, and we are able to know what God wants to reveal of Himself to us, basically. So you have the mind of Christ. If you put your trust in Christ, His mind is in you. So you're not on your own. You're not just relying on your own mind. In Luke 24, 45, it talked about how Jesus opened the minds of his disciples so that they could understand him and so that they could understand God's will. So you have the mind of Christ, and now you have God opening your mind so that you can understand what he wants you to understand. So you're not just striving on your own here. And then in John 16, 13, it says that God's spirit is inside of you, and he is guiding you into all truth. And then in 14, 26... It says that he's teaching you all things. Okay? So you're not on your own. You have God giving you his very mind and thinking and then helping you process it the correct way. Okay, Mark 12.30. Who has that? Okay, Jordan. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And from observation, yeah, it's just like how it breaks down thinking like a person. It's just you know, the heart, the soul, the mind, and their strength. And it's just like, another observation is like, God is saying this. It's not coming from someone else. And love, it's just like, this is love. And for the interpretation, we had to love your God with like, your whole being. Um, your whole being being um, your emotions, your passions, your intellect, your personality, your energy, and the application. Take everything that you are and love God with it. Your whole being, everything. It's not just bits and pieces. It's not just sometimes. It's all the time, you know. Alright. So loving God with everything in our being, and specifically it mentions our mind too, guys. I think we each need to take personal involvement in our walk with God and in this relationship with Him and our fellowship with Him by growing closer to Him in our minds. Feed yourself. When you come to something like Connect, we're just here to encourage you in your walk with God. We're not here to feed you. Does that make sense? I hope that each of you are growing in your own walk with God by growing in your own thinking and in your own knowledge of who God is and how he relates to you in a personal way. First Peter 2, 2 talks about the pure milk of God's word being how we grow. So as we grow in our minds, guys, it comes from, it comes from the milk of God's word. It comes from God's word itself. Okay, and that brings us to group three. Who's group three? Back here. Okay, Daniel, you want to hurry up here? So, yeah, we had John 8.32. I'm going to read verse 31 as well. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So, uh, yeah, like Nate was saying earlier, the, big, the biggest thing in this verse is that he doesn't say if you know a truth. He says if you know the truth. There is only one truth, and that is that Jesus Christ came down here, took on the form of a man, and died for our sins to set us free. So by believing in him, then we know the truth, and we know freedom. Awesome. Thank you, Daniel. So yeah, as we know God, and as we grow in our knowledge of him, we really experience that freedom, guys, and not the bondage that we have without that. Lies versus truth, bondage versus freedom. That's, that's the reality of the situation. So as I grow closer to God, and as I get in his word, John 17, 17, says God's word is truth. So when we wonder, what's truth? Remember Pilate asked Jesus, what's truth? When I think, what is truth? God's word is truth. That's what we're told. And so I can find the reality 
of the universe right in God's word, how things work. And as I grow in that, I really experience the freedom that God wants. Okay, Philippians 4.9, I don't think we had a group to do that, but Paul prayed for the Philippians that their love for God would grow in knowledge, in depth of insight. I think Ronnie quoted that a few weeks ago. But the idea is, we're not supposed to have a relationship with God that's just based on feelings. But what Paul is saying there is really go deep with God and take personal initiative to grow close to God in your knowledge of Him. And not just head knowledge. You know, you don't want to just have head knowledge, but learn how to experience God in a personal way. Grow in that knowledge of Him. So take the personal initiative. And again, this is kind of interesting. First Corinthians 8, 1 says, knowledge puffs up, or it makes me proud, but love builds up, okay? So as I'm growing closer to God in love, then that knowledge is building me up. I'm not just getting proud, because I'm experiencing God the way He wants. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Jordan, you got that? Uh, we had uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2. And it says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because, all, because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Do not copy the behavior or customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know the God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And basically what it's saying is you can't live a Christian life or you can't live for God's will without changing your life. When you become a believer, you need to give your life over to God and live for God. So if you just like follow the world and you act the same way you did before you knew God, it's not going to benefit you in any way. So basically, he's asking you to just reconform your mind to God's will in order to know what he would want for you. Okay, so be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You guys, you think and then you act, right? So if I want to change my actions, it starts with my thinking, right? If I want to act like Jesus, i got to think like Jesus. That's why that verse says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as we get in God's word and grow in that, it changes our mind, it renews us, and it totally transforms us from the inside out. Second Corinthians 10.5, group 6. Okay, so Second Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So basically, taking our thoughts and our arguments that are against God and changing them to be obedient to Christ and to be obedient to God. We really focus on the word demolish, and it's kind of basically wiping everything clean and holding on to what God is, holding on to God's truth. Yeah, okay, taking every thought captive, that's kind of hard. You're in control of your thinking. Hebrews 3, 1 says, set your mind on Jesus, or set your thoughts on Jesus. That's kind of crazy. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, set your mind on things above. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says, think about things, and then it gives you a whole list of godly things for us to think about. So I'm in charge of what I think about. You might hear professors say, you really have no control over what you think about, but we do. Garbage in, garbage out. You know what I choose to think about, choose to watch, choose to look at? I end up thinking about that, and it's harder to control. But as I start getting in God's Word, and I start reading God's Word, and memorizing it, and studying it, that starts to consume my thinking and direct my thinking. So I really have a lot easier time taking control of it, like it says in that verse. Okay, Colossians 2, 8, group 7. Tess is going to come up and share that. Okay. In Colossians 2, 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of the world, rather than on Christ. 
And then the Stancy Bible also has some other stuff over here. It says, tolerance against um, any philosophy of life based only on human ideas and experience. Experiences. Paul himself was a gifted philosopher, so he was not condemning philosophy. He was con considering a teaching that credits humanity, not curse. Which, oh sorry, this being the answer to life's problems. So he's saying, don't con I mean, philosophy may not always be the answer. Always following the philosophical ideas, um, the unalloyed God idea, God's ideas aren't a great idea. So you should by the truth. So, don't be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophy. Now here's how we do that. This is Acts 17, verse 10 and 11. It says, That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. That pretty much means that these people, the, the Bereans, after they were given the word that Paul and Silas spoke, they were enthusiastic about it. They were like, awesome, we got this new word, you know, and it was the word that Jesus Christ was the Savior. And they were like, awesome, I'm, I'm glad that we heard that. They went into the Bible, you know, they, they studied the scriptures to see if it was true and applied it to their life. Yeah, okay, good. So here's the, here's the concept, guys. Don't be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies. Well, how do I do that? Well, I analyze what I'm being told. The Bereans, that's what they did. They hear something, and they say, wait a minute, I'm going to check that out to see if that's really true or not. And this is what I want to encourage you guys to do. Be very analytical. When you hear something from me, don't just say, oh, it's Nate. He's never going to tell us something wrong. Okay? I'm a human. I could totally botch something, right? Okay? When you hear something from your professor, don't just say, oh, he's never going to mess something up. He's got a PhD. You guys, take what you're hearing and analyze it. Is this really true or not? Analyze it in God's Word. Does it line up with Scripture? But also analyze it with just plain facts. There's a lot of stuff out there that's just false, and it's not true. And you get taught it at school. Evolution, for one. My degree was in chemistry, so I've spent tons of time talking with professors about that. Science is overwhelming. Science is overwhelming. In four years here, I argued with every professor that brought it up, and I tried to do it the right way in their office so they didn't feel awkward about it. Not one of them ever came up with one argument for evolution. Not one. One professor, there, I had one professor that didn't take it correctly, and she actually docked my grade because of it in a class. But other than that, everybody was like, wow, I've never heard that, and that's good science. That's amazing. What I'm saying, guys, is take what you hear in class and really analyze it. And that's what the Bereans are doing. They're hearing something, they're like, that sounds good, but I'm going to check it first. I'm going to make sure that's legit, okay? Okay, so get that way. Learn God's Word. Learn truth in such a way that when you hear something that's not true, you realize it. A few of you guys have told me, I was at this church over the weekend, and the pastor said something, and I totally didn't think it was on track. I'm so glad when I hear that kind of stuff, guys, because it shows me that you're thinking. You're not just mindlessly taking something in, but you're actually using the mind that God gave you, His mind, right? And that's one way that you can grow. Okay, so if we lack wisdom, how many of you guys lack wisdom? I do. How many of you lack knowledge? Okay, this verse is for us. So we have James 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. You know, basically what that means is God wants us to come to him and ask him for wisdom. And you know, we need to trust that he will give it, give wisdom to us, because you know, he says that. It's a promise that he's making for us. When we ask for wisdom, he will guide our thinking. Awesome. Okay, that's a promise. 
you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you. He promises you. So, you've got nothing to lose. It's not like maybe I will, but he promises you that. Okay, so I'm going to close it out. 1 Peter 1.13 says, prepare your minds for action, guys. So the minds that God's given us, they didn't just give them to us to accumulate knowledge for nothing. He gave them to us to take the knowledge that we get and to use it the right way. Again, that's wisdom. So 1 Peter 1.13 says, prepare your minds for action. So how can I be developing my mind the way God wants so that I can do what God wants me to do? I want to encourage you guys, a great way to do this is have a daily quiet time, or a daily connect time, I call it. My time to just connect with God every morning where I'm getting in the Word, I'm reading, I'm memorizing, I'm studying, like I have my own journal at home and I'm writing about what God's teaching me. And then I'm applying that in my daily life. So I'm preparing my mind for action. So I would encourage you this week, take that time to get alone with God every day. Use those journals. If you don't have one, grab one on the way out. Okay, well, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this night and for how awesome you are. pray that you teach us, Lord God, how to develop in our thinking the way you want and the way you built us. God, we love you. Amen.